Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another audio edition of National Fire Radio. Today, Captain Sean Egan, Buffalo Fire Department, seven truck, 25 years on the line. Sean has become a friend over the last few years. I've gotten to know him through National Fire Radio. Uh, Sean is a regular contributor to the Truck Tactics column in Firehouse Magazine. The guy's been around a little bit. He knows what he's doing. I like having conversations with him, and he's got incredible eyes. Sean, thanks for joining me, buddy. Oh, you know how to you know how to butter me up, Jimmy. Good morning. Uh, <laughs> I love it, man. Look at the eyes that just don't look anywhere else. You know, like, uh, listen, listen. Face for radio, they tell me. No, no, no. You look amazing, my friend. Amazing. Your eyes are stunning. My wife drools over your eyes when she sees you. She goes, "I like that Sean Egan a lot." And I go, "Slow it down." Good thing he lives six hours away in Buffalo because if you were any closer, I'd be in trouble. So. My wife might have something to say about that too. Twenty-four years we were married yesterday, actually. Oh, congratulations! That's Happy awesome. Anniversary to my bride. And yeah, so. and she still, and from what I know, she still likes you, which is super sort important. Of, yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, yeah, she likes me sometimes. Yeah, right. Everyone, yeah, exactly. Well, listen, man, it was nice. We caught up uh, two weeks ago in um, Columbus at Firehouse Expo, and uh, yes. I watched. I was able. I didn't get a chance to sit in on one of your classes. Um, in the classroom setting, but they did some, uh, what I thought was pretty fun in the convention center, in the, in the exhibit, they had a, uh, a raised stage with seating and you guys took like different guys that were teaching that week, uh, took like 15, 20 minutes. I think you took like 30 minutes and, uh, talked about something on stage with, uh, with like slides or so on. So it was kind of like a, a preview to, um, what you were either talking about or, or something that you're passionate about. And so I got to watch about 10, 15 minutes of your presentation. You were talking about ground ladders and, uh, and removing victims over ground ladders, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically a Ted talks ish thing. They called them tailboard talks and uh, the conference was telling us it's the first year they wanted to try it. They, they'd see if there would be any benefit to some type of educational content on the show floor. And uh, ours was well-received from what I could tell. As they said, there was 100, 125 or so people sat in on it. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, kind of opened the show, which made me a little extra nervous. It was hot up there, if you didn't notice how bad I was sweating. But, uh, no, you, listen, cool under pressure. <laughs> you looked amazing. Yeah. Um, I will say, I, I thought that format was pretty smart. Um, you know, that they did that. And uh, I think it also gives the opportunity for people walking to Florida to take a knee or, or take a seat for, you know, a few minutes and just listen in on, on a topic that might be uh, interesting to them. And it, it just gives them a break during the show. So I thought that format was pretty good, man. I thought it was pretty smart um, and so on. And I enjoyed your message, as I always do. I think that you always have um, some great topics that, that you're passionate about. I know you're a truck guy through and through. Um, 25 years in Buffalo. It's a tough city. You guys go to work. So it's everything you're talking about. It comes from your pedigree of experience and, and uh, knowledge on the fire ground. So what I wanted to do today, man, um, you know, we still need to get before we get into like firefighting. Let's talk about how I haven't had you like on the podcast yet. I know. What's that about? Have you like, do you not measure up? Do you feel like, uh, do you feel like I, I don't think you're, you know, you measure up or like, I feel bad. I, I always, I'll be honest with you. I always thought you were on it. And then you kindly hinted one day. You're like, Hey man, like, when do I get uh, my turn? And I'm like, Oh shit. I, I totally spaced the fact that you haven't been on yet. So we need to yeah, get that I done. Mean, well, I, I'd love to do it. And unfortunately it's, I just, we don't get out that way very much. Anytime I'm out your way, it's 
it's boom, boom. We're there for a couple of days and I have to go, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I know you guys like the in-studio thing is, is your, is your. Cause I can look in your eyes, those beautiful yeah, blue yeah, eyes well, of yours. I get to look at them across the table and really feel well, the emotion of your story. Well, to be honest, that's, <laughs> that's a real thing, right? Like forget about the eye comment, but that's it. Like, you, you know, you, you tell the story over the phone and you can't see the expressions on your face or how, especially if you're telling a story that might hit hard, right? hundred like, percent. You can't see the emotion in my, you can you, maybe you can hear it in my voice, but you can see it for sure in your face. And I mean, I'm dying to get on there and I, and I promise, I think what's going to happen is me and, me and uh, Missy, my wife, are going to have to schedule a trip down the city way and we'll just have to shoot over for yeah, the and, afternoon. And, and we'll make a day. Listen, man, we'll make a day of it. We'll get out to dinner. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have some fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I look forward to that. Maybe uh, we, Maybe we can get you out of that Buffalo winter and bring you down a few hours south to, uh, you know, enjoy a little less snow, a little less cold over the uh, winter here. But, uh, yeah, yeah, man, please, open please. open invite. Let's get you on. I'd love to be able to sit down with you and really capture your story because yeah. I know a lot about you just through conversation and our friendship, but I'd love to really hear your fire service story. I don't really know the foundations of that, so that would be a lot of fun. But today, yeah, for sure. this is a little bit on a on – a, a shorter quest that I'm trying to do on the podcast uh, on the audio channel is that really just diving into a topic and, and going into it with you. And so you being a, a regular contributor to the truck tactics column on, uh, on F- for firehouse magazine. Um, I was scrolling through online. I found a bunch of articles you've done. I've, I've seen, a, you know, I was reading up on a couple of things and uh, truck tactics, creating truck crew assignments um, a while back we on National Fire Radio put out to our community like, hey, send us your information about riding positions, how you guys operate, because we draw from career to volunteer and everything in between, right? So it's pretty interesting from a one to two man truck company to a six man company, the differences in in their delivery of services. And so I'd love to talk to you about that today, which would be a good uh, a good intro into us releasing the content and information we got from our community. So uh, and we're going to try to make that available to everybody. So uh, on top of that, let's talk about creating truck crew assignments, man. Um, in Buffalo, what are you riding with? Uh, we'll start the conversation with how many how many guys are in your truck? Four. So okay. every rig in our city has three firefighters and an officer. And except for rescue, rescue one rides with four firefighters and an officer. But that's the key that makes us the same or different, I suppose. Different than New York. But the same, you know, I'm very much operational on my crew. I, I'm the I'm the captain, but you know, yesterday we caught work in the morning and I was the guy forcing the door. You know, so that was the thing is that we don't officers in Buffalo at least we supervise, but we have to be part of it. So it's it's not it's not uh, we're three three person three firefighter crew and an officer. We yeah, but with a four yeah, so, so as a four man company and being the boss, I mean you're a hands on boss. You're not you're not a supervisor with a flashlight pointing and going open that up or or you know force this door right. Like, do you carry a tool in Buffalo? Do, do bosses carry tools? Yes, I personally just carry a pro bar. Um, most mostly the mostly officers in Buffalo carry the carry the pro bar. Okay. Uh, truck and some engine guys. If the engine guys can uh, can handle, and that's not a knock, but I'm saying the engine guys got they have to use both their hands usually to help stretch. But sure. mostly, even when I'm on an engine, I bring a halogen bar with me just in case. Uh, you never know. You know. Yesterday we had a fire. We had report of uh, several dogs that were still inside, and so I almost kind of sent the engine one way to make their stretch, and while we the first two truck went 
to initiate, you know, getting these dogs out because they were like show dogs. They were pretty valuable yeah. uh, dogs, but, but the engine, you know, the engine would have been out, have to force that door by themselves. But yeah, we, we, uh, most of the officers around here carry a pro bar. Uh, we have real ones too, not the, not the three piece jobbers that, uh, yeah. So that, but that's your individual choice then, right? So you have that ability to make that decision as the boss as to yeah. what you want your position to be that day and the equipment you carry. No. Okay, so do you have set positions then in your four-man truck? I mean, I got to believe that on a structural response for a reported fire, what are you running, four engines, two trucks, and a special? Uh, three engines, three trucks, the third is the fast or the rip. Okay. And uh, and the rescue uh, responds to all structure fires in the city. So and then the we're, rescue, we're rolling Go ahead. in hot with 29, 29 people there to, to, to fight the fire. On a reported and, uh, fire. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's nice. I mean, that's good staffing at yeah. the get- so yeah, the, the, we we roll, we roll in three and one, or th- excuse me, three three and three and two in the the, fa- the third truck's the fast truck. Got it. And uh, we we call it fast, but whatever the RIT, RIT team. And so they don't they don't count in that number. They're there, and mo- most of the RIT companies are pretty active. And I know again, that's a that's a debate we could do for two hours whether they're useful, or not useful. I know that our RIT teams have made a difference in the last few years for us, and so I, I'm a proponent of them. And you know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, well, that, I mean, you disagree, you know? dedicating a fast truck on the initial response, I mean, that that just speaks to the to the department that you are a part of and the importance of that position. Yeah, we didn't always have it. it yeah. It, it came in the course of my career. Uh, they used to call um, – they, they would basically call on the phone and tell you – a fire truck, a fire would come in. They'd say three, three and two with the rescue, uh, and they'd call on the department line. They say, "Hey, truck uh, seven, if that's a working fire, you're going." Well, that's great, except now you have the four minutes, the four minute delay from the time the companies leave quarters till they get on scene. And we, as we know, and not to go down that rabbit hole, but most of the bad shit happens to us in the first few minutes. So by the time the fast teams get on location, you're eight or 10 minutes into the, into the scene and you're parked a mile away. So by the time you have your equipment set up. So luckily, uh, and I can't remember what year it changed, but they changed it to where they're getting uh, sent on the initial assignment now, which is great. Um, it's made a difference. No, oh, I can. Tremendous like, difference for us over the last couple of years. I'm sure, but the nice thing about that too, though, is the inclusion of them on the upfront assignment also means, though, that there's a priority in the department to make fast or writ services a a, a, a uh, important topic. Meaning that you're also going to focus on training and also focus on other aspects of it because it becomes more integral at the initial onset of the alarm. Facts, absolutely, yeah, and and we and it, it took some it took some pushing from some chiefs and some higher ups to get it done, but it's done. And then several years back, we started training the engines, cross training. So so it's not uncommon for an engine to be signed as a fast if we need it. You know, we we have nine trucks, and I say only, but when you're sending three, and then most of the time, if we got fire that the chiefs are operating more than two lines, most of the chiefs are going to upgrade to another two engines and a truck. So we eat up our truck companies pretty quick. So. Sometimes that case they'll they'll, uh, they'll they'll dispatch a pumper. We have 19 pumpers, so they'll dispatch a pumper to serve the role as fast, and and they just they grab the equipment off one of the first. All of our truck compartments are labeled where all the fast team equipment is, and they grab it off the first two truck or whatever, and they're set to go. But having them there early is great because most of our fast tr- our fast teams uh, they prioritize. They help with the, they'll help 
do another 360. They'll get egress ladders in position. They'll get, um, you know, they'll help. I, I don't like the expression, but soften the target, so to speak, what they can do without getting too overly involved. You know, our chiefs want them to be fresh, which is what bothers people a lot is that you have three fresh, four fresh bodies just kind of hanging out. But there's a lot that they can do without overwhelming themselves in terms of wiping themselves out. Um, but again, that's a, that's a whole topic. No, itself, it is, but, know. but it, it brings such value, right? I think that an active fast team or RIT team on scene, and of course we can, that debate can go on and on. Right. But just yeah. to, just to sum this up, right. Then my world is if you have an active fast team that is throwing ladders for egress, clearing windows, um, you know, and so on for egress, it also educates them as to the, entry and act in in out in uh in exit points that they've created in the building so that god forbid if if the shit goes down they already know what they've done not just softening quote unquote the building but also the egress that they've created right i think i just i think that that's so valuable so yeah that's cool and and one one more point on that is that it also if you're if you're have an officer that's active and pays attention it's a tremendous time to teach and learn 100 percent. when we're standing by once we get everything done and we're back ready to stage staged out by the command post i can talk about where the fire is going what how oh look i can give a a a little lesson on the smoke hey look at how the smoke conditions have changed either good or bad and and it helps i seem to always have well our whole department's young but my my senior person on my truck right now besides me got hired in 2015 so it's a perfect opportunity to teach a little bit too, without having the stress of work, you know, yeah. pay attention to what you yep. do and anticipate where that fire is going. Oh, they just moved the line to an attic. Maybe we should stage ourselves over here closer to the door, to the rear door instead of to the front door or whatever. But it's really a perfect opportunity to teach the younger, the younger generation or your crews in general, uh, what's going on inside that building and they become more tactically proficient. Yeah. I love that. That's good. All right. Let's get back on track, right? That's enough about sure. uh, fast and rid operations. Let's get back to the point of this, right? Truck crew assignment. So in, uh, in your city, you run dedicated truck companies. You guys do not run quints, right? So this is no pump on the apparatus. You're strictly doing, uh, you know, uh, truck work on a fire ground. Well, our, our trucks have pumps. Oh, they do they have tanks. Yes, they do not have tanks. Yeah, it's interesting. They have, yeah, they have pumps. They Got do it. not have tanks, and they do not carry hose. All right, so, so but you guys aren't stretching. I mean, basically, correct. you guys are you're arriving are on truck. scene, right, and you're going to work in a truck capacity. So talk to me about a four-man crew on a structure, on a residential structural fire. Where do we put priorities and what positions, and, and how do you, Sean Egan, at the start of the shift, how do you like to manage your team? Okay. So yeah, you, you kind of have that, how you doing morning conversation, right? If I have my regular crew, uh, I have right now a rookie fresh out of the Academy. Um, and, uh, he, he is, he is one of the best. I'm sorry. I, I just got a message here. Uh, he is, he's pretty squared away and he's doing well. So he's stuck to me pretty much without, without fail. He is, um, he rides behind me the whole time and his, his tool assignment and his duties are based on the situation. So for residential fires, we, um, residential fires, I generally take, we're splitting my team, myself and the person behind me are going and we're going our, our mission kind of like what you and Mick talked about the other day is we're going in and we're going to get as close to the seat of the fire to find a fire, help the engine team, 
understand where the fire is at if it's not obvious and we're start, and we're starting our primary searches right yep the second team's t- task the driver we don't have chauffeur we have a driver right? okay today this week dan was driving next week mike's driving next week jeremy's driving oh i got we you okay that, you know we don't have the rotates um, yep. so the driver and the person behind him are they know and the conversation goes with them they know that if it's if it's if it's a situation that we're still you know, most of the time I give them a radio, quick radio transmission. Hey, get to get above the fire, start a search, or help us out here on the first floor, whatever it was. You know what I mean? It, 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 they have to know to be ready. We we used to kind of have an outside vent person. So yeah. the, the person we call them, the, it used to be the tillerman when we had tillers. The tiller person, the person that rides behind the driver, would assume the roles of the OV. Um, we kind of lost that due to the youth of the department. So the chiefs are more inclined to keep our crews together. So now my my second guy, the tiller person, the guy riding behind the driver is doing some quick tasks while the, while the driver masks up quick. So 30, you know, 35, 30 seconds, 40 a minute. He may throw it, he may throw that first ladder to the second floor. He may do something like that. Yesterday he started forcing the front door. He didn't commit too far, but he didn't also just stand there with his hands on his hips. So for yeah. for a residential fire, we're splitting. We're splitting into two teams. But most, and, but comparably, they're they're probably both going to be inside teams then. One hundred percent on your almost, first dude all, truck. Okay, a, so you're not splitting the crew inside outside. You know, inside duties, outside duties. You're both both your four man crew. Once that now is he setting up the truck on arrival? If if needed. Now that's one thing that we have nine out of our excuse me eight out of our nine ladders are our towers so yeah we have i have a ladder, there's a ladder tower so based on our streets it's not a priority which frustrates me in a sense but again a, a, another rabbit hole conversation sure, so sure, 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 sure. if needed if needed uh, if it's a situation where i think we're going to need it or we might we might have a might have a need to get it up exact as i step out of the rig me and the guy behind me are going i give orders to the driver and and his his partner to get the get the stick up and whether it's positioned or not, get it out, get the outrigger set. Yeah, get the truck set up. up. Yeah. Get it ready to go. And that all starts with positioning. Like, I, I'm a, I'm crazy about positioning. You know, where where are we? Are we close enough to take that inside position to go up? All of our utilities in the city, for the, not all, but 90% of the utilities in the city are in the front. So street side, you're dealing with the wires, you're dealing with poles, you're dealing with trees. So the positioning starts. But we don't, I, I'd say... One complaint I have is that we don't utilize our apparatus as well as we should. Okay. Um, and, and it's something that. That's not, Sean, you know, that's not specific to you guys. I can assure you of that. You know oh, what I mean? 100%. Yeah. I mean, you look at a city like Boston, their aerials, sticks or otherwise are out. And it, even if they're just up in the air, ready to go. Yeah. So any Jamoke can get up there and do raise, rotate, extend, right? Right, right, right. The hard part's done, you know, and that's the biggest problem. So I want to do that early. If I think from my size up as I roll up that we're going to, there's a potential that we're going to need that, I'm going to order it. I'm going to order the aerial up. And again, even if they just get it set, because once those hoses hit the streets, you know, we run five inch hose. We, we run a 52 for our feeds, which is a five inch and a two and a half. It, it's everywhere. And the chances of us getting getting the outriggers up and in position once the hose is already stretched or charged is a problem. So if, if, I want to make the call quick. If it yeah. looks like we're going, we're going to need it. I want it done, but it's not a hundred percent. You know, it's so, not something we do it every single fire. Yeah. So, so what I'm getting from that then is on arrival, 
or coming in, if you got a battalion chief on scene or the engine calls out first or whatever with a size up, if you will, um, or your own size up upon arrival, stepping out of that cab and getting a good look, the assignments might change for your other team. You're always dedicated to entry, seat of the fire, searching your way back, right? So yeah. you're, yeah, okay. And then, unless it's, unless it's obvious, Jeremy, right? Yeah, unless right. Yeah, of course, of course. Unless it's, you know, yeah. stem to stir. Yeah, exactly. Going in. Then right. I, then I sit there and I get the rig set up. Yeah. And then on top of that, so then your secondary team, it's going to be that like nod. It's business as usual. We'll see you on the fire floor type thing. Or it's, hey, Joe, uh, get the truck set up. I think this is going to the exposure, whatever. And then, and yeah. so on. Okay. So then yeah, once, is. so you take the kid with you behind, what are your, do you have a set tool assignment then for you and your guy? Uh, I do. Um, I want him carrying a striking tool. I don't carry the irons. I carry the pro bar like we talked about. Yep, yep. So I want my person behind me carrying either a mall. Uh, we do have flathead axes that yep. some people choose. Um, I, I don't necessarily order the can right off the bat it depends again that's another size of thing i look back as i'm getting off the rig hey the engine's delayed whatever the situation is again there's a million of them but yeah yeah, yeah. A situation where i think we may need the can we grab it we don't take it on every uh, on every on every fire okay. rule so it's stored right behind the driver or excuse me right behind the first compartment behind that guy so it's two seconds from the lift the compartment grab the grab the can but they're they're for residential they're bringing a striking tool and usually they're bringing a, a six foot New York hook. And okay. Even if they All just right. leave the hook by the side of the, by the door on our way in, you know, so that just so it saves us time going back to get it. No, I get know, it. Once we get in, start opening up, get the fire knocked down. Now it's open up. Yeah, you know, sure. To eliminate the delay of, oh, you got to go back to the rig. And I, I, I don't mandate two hands, two tools type of thing, but I, strongly encourage it yeah well there's an expectation right like you know we yeah, got 100%. we got jobs to do and you got to have the equipment with you yeah. or in close proximity to get those jobs done yeah or someone else is going to do it and that's the bottom line you know and that's we don't want that right yeah I don't, I don't want some other truck companies coming in with hooks to go oh well you weren't ready uh, we're gonna yeah 100 percent. yeah for sure so let me ask you this okay so i know in buffalo it's an older city so you have a lot of those big big two and a half story or three story wood frame you know um peaked roof homes right and you know i'm sure you have uh you know you guys have seen everything and anything in a possibility of uh victims and locations of where people are living in homes and everything else so and typically in those bigger homes too i just know my uh, few short years that i was a fireman in poughkeepsie and we we would go to a lot of those types of fires Rapid fire growth, larger, uh, it's a, taller ceilings, larger rooms, if you will, unless they're unless they're uh, chopped up into SROs or something, but rapid fire growth. So for you, the importance of search, getting in and searching and finding that seat of the fire, how do you convey that message? What What's your task? I mean, say you got a second or third floor fire. I mean, once you locate that seat of the fire, if it's not showing itself on arrival, if it hasn't vented and so on, Take me just through the mindset. You force entry, you make entry into the building, and I'm sure the listeners would just like to hear the mindset of, like, Sean Egan, as you make that staircase with the smoke bank to the second floor, like, making that search, finding the seat of the fire. Give me just a little bit of that mindset of where you go with all that. Yeah, so I'm thinking, where are they, right? If I lived here, what am I doing? We know people are creatures of habit. They generally try to exit versus use the door they use the most often right so if we get up say that say the second floor our, our our fires most we most of the time good fire like that second floor fire we're taking the rear stairs so most of our houses they're 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 two two doubles right they're uh 
thousand square foot three bedroom apartment on the first floor, thousand square foot three bedroom apartment on the second floor. I come up the rear stairs 99% of the time I'm walking into the kitchen. Okay, if I'm going to the second floor apartment kitchen, so I start to think where I'm gonna have a bedroom immediately on my right. I'm gonna have another bedroom just a, a hair ahead of me on the right. And if I keep going straight, I'm gonna hit the third bedroom and I'm gonna hit the living room and the bathroom is gonna be on the left. So I started thinking where, you know, I'm going right straight in as far as I can and I'm working my way out. And then if they're available and the guys are available or the fire gets knocked, then I want guys coming up the front if they can. Most of the time, our, our, if, we, if we're looking for it, but we're not sure where it originated or where it has ended up because of most of our houses are balloon frame. Fires that start are always gonna end up in the attic. So we're we're gonna take the rear stairs that gives me access to all four all four floors in these houses, basement all the way up. Um, is that so, interior, so, Sean? Is that interior or up the exterior? Because a lot of times there's porches and balconies off the rear too. No, not too many. No. Oh, you uh, don't. Most okay. Most of ours are in the front. Yeah. The, so the rear side door. So most of our houses, like just say it's the three side or the four side. Excuse me. Yep. We do we do one two three four. So the four side, that door is gonna get me all the way to the basement. First floor apartment, second floor apartment, okay. and straight up into the attic. Okay, okay. It's a struggle. It's a struggle that I don't deal with so much, but the Chiefs do is that, you know, many of our people, not just, again, not just in my department, but in general, view the fire as like they get kind of the moth to the flame thing. And they're like, oh, the fire is right there in the front room. If I just go up this front stairs and make it right, but you're, you're missing out on the fact that the fire is in the front room because it started in the basement, it rolled all the way up, you know? Um, so my number one thing is I think about where my people are going to be. And if I, if I get, come up that back stairs, I'm going to beeline towards the bedrooms because if I beeline towards the bedrooms, I'm going to run into any victims that are there. Cause there, there, there's two ways out front or back, unless they go out a window, which has happened. You know, the, the fire I spoke about um, with the ladder rescues that we had recently, yeah. we, we had one, one lady we rescued out of the window and mm-hmm. the other three were in the attic. Yeah. They're sleeping in the attic. Um, because the house is under renovation. So, um, but you got people sleeping in the situation. attic all the time though. I mean, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. yeah and, 100%. and, you know, and like you said too, with balloon flame, balloon frame construction, fire on the floor below, what an incredible priority net. And this is why I was curious. I, I want you to keep going before I, I, I step on it, but you know, to find a seat of the fire, but then to get to that floor above is just absolutely critical. Yeah. And that's where oftentimes my second crew is going there. Got it. If nothing, if I don't need them, if I'm on the first floor or I'm in the basement, my second crew is going above. Now, rescue one's job when they get on the scene, most of the time they're recon. So it's the same thing. Now they have a team of three and a team of two, so they'll split. They may send two guys in the attic to check the conditions and they may send that other team. Like yesterday we had the fire, the rescue came up on the first floor with us. We were looking for these dogs and we weren't, we weren't aware that they were, you know, we thought there were dogs on the loose, which meant you had to check every under, under every table, under, yeah. under every cushion, under right, every, right. everything. And they were actually kenneled, which uh, was good for getting them out, but bad for the situation because it took the delay to get, you know, so the rescue came in and they prioritized searching the rear of the first floor, which my crew hadn't got to yet. Cause we were looking under every looking right. cranny for yeah. these dogs. Yeah. But, Okay, so Sean Egan, you, you're you're up on the second floor. You find the you find the bedroom that's off. It hasn't vented itself yet. You're able to contain it, close the door, whatever you got to do, right? To, to in in your position, how do you convey your findings to say that engine that's stretching? So yeah, the, that's always the struggle, right? Is is getting 
if you listen to any of our fires, the, the, everybody has a radio, which is great. I think yeah, everybody should have a radio, but it's hard to get that message across. Yes. More often than not, I know what's going on. You know, we have three, three, three uses for hand lines, right? Attack, exposure, backup, right? So we back up our, we have one line generally backing up. The third line is usually the one that will come above. I, again, assuming it's a first floor fire, the third line is the one that's making a priority. More often than not, I'm going to try to just locate them quick and just say, hey, fellas, it's right up here versus trying to get, get through on the radio. If, if they're on the same floor as me, these houses aren't that big. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to be able to get to, hey, I got it right up here in the front room. Doors closed. When you're ready, let's go. Yeah. Um, the radio is just tough. Uh, uh, you know, the chiefs talk on the radio. The safety people talk on the radio. The dispatcher. And I'm not criticizing. They, I mean, these guys. No, it's busy. It's like any fire ground. It's busy. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, we had a fire last tour and we had molten brass that was in forges. And I couldn't get through to the chief. So I actually called dispatch. I'm like, listen, you have to interrupt them and just let them know that he's developed. I know he's developing a strategy as he's arriving on the scene of this fire, but we can't, we can't bring water and full water in this building. So we have to come up with a different plan. And I wanted to, I didn't want, and you know, it happens. And so more often than not, if I, if I'm in the vicinity, you know, if, if if they're on the same floor as me, I'm going to take a few steps and see if I can't track them down. Sure. We need a line right up here. It's just easier. Um, Yeah. And, and they appreciate it too, you know, and then I'll give a, I'll give a heads up on the radio. Once I can get through radio command truck seven, you know, engine 33 is on the second floor. We got a line we're putting water on the fire now. Yeah. That type of thing. Right. Well, that's why I asked because I know how busy the radio can get. And I, I also know that, you know, line of sight or, you know, a quick yell or a face to face on a, on a landing or in the hallway goes a very long way in conveying the message of what you need. So it's just a, that's, I was just curious. Okay. Yeah. So from there, um, seat of the fire is found. Now you're now you're searching for life and working your way back towards where you think victims might be. No. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. If you get as close, you're gonna obviously are not passing them. Yeah, but if right. I find them if they're in their if they're in their egress areas, you know their their hallways or their way out. I'm gonna find them on my way in, which happens a lot. You know, we happen across victims often because. They're they're trying to get out. Yeah, absolutely, know? it makes uh, sense. It's common and, sense. Yeah, and of course, right. And then, but yeah. So once we get in, hey, hey, the fire's here or whatever. Uh, I'm gonna start working my way back. If if the searches have already, and that's where that communication is, is in. If 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 the rescue, say for example, the rescue completed the primary search already, I may start opening up and work our way through a secondary search or whatever it may be. Like we we have a lot of people coming very early. Yeah, very fast. Yeah, which is fantastic. Huge. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's and it's funny, Jeremy, because I didn't realize until I really started doing this stuff how big my department actually was. Like right. the first time I was on stage, I'm like, oh, from a small or medium sized department, like medium sized. What are you nuts? But I didn't I didn't realize I kind of lived in my own Buffalo world until 2014 or so when I decided to broaden my horizons a little bit. And you know, you have a newfound respect for what some of you you guys sure. listeners are doing out there. It's crazy to me, and and and. uh you know, I have a lot of respect for what goes on. And um, so, so often that times, you know, if we're not making a grab in the first, if we're searching, searching more often than not, there's plenty of bodies there to get it done. So I, my crews, uh, the four of us, the rescue's got three or five, depending on what their orders were. Right. Um, most chiefs try to avoid the rescue stretching lines unless they absolutely have to, because they're, you know, the rescue's legit. These guys know what they're doing. They're good firefighters. They know, you know, 
they, they know where they need to be and sure. where people are going to be. And not to say that the rest of us aren't. No, 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 that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yes. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the way it is. Resource to have. Yes. And, um, you know, these guys, they're, they're, they're aggressive and, you know, my crew is very aggressive too, but again, if they're coming, I want them. I'm not, Hey, I'm not, I'm not mad if the rescue makes a grab and not me, unless I missed them. Then I'm mad at myself. Of you know course. I mean? If they make a grab that I missed, then I'm pissed but yeah. my own, at myself, not, not at them. Yeah. You know? and like okay. that, that's, that's one thing that, you know, we got to get it away from like, let's make them whoever gets them, gets them. But. Um, of absolutely i mean that's what we're there for right i mean you know yeah right 100%. yeah absolutely so you as the boston so you got your typically the junior guy that's with you right on that entry and search team right and so uh he goes off he's doing his thing you're doing your thing found the fire you're starting to you finished your search on your floor right water gets we're starting to get water on the fire where do your attentions go then are you going to the floor above to meet up with your other team if they've made their way up or are you now supervising the fire floor as in starting to open up for the truck. What, where does your mindset go from there? So, so yeah. So once we have it pretty much, we're dead on it. We're clear. And we're just focusing on this fire. Now my efforts will will change depending. So we, we run two, two chiefs at fires. The the battalion chief shows up and he runs operations uh, until the division chief shows up. Division chiefs are tour commander. Right. So once the division chief arrives, most of the time the battalion chief's going to come inside and he's going to take over interior ops. And then I might go join up with my crew. But if, if there's work to be done is then that's where we go. If it, it. most of the time it's, it's opening up, you know, uh, so we get the guys, get some hooks, get in here, let's start opening this up. Or if there's, if we're still looking or we still got a lot of work to do, you know, more often than not in our balloon frame houses, we all end up in the attic. I'm sure we're working our, working our rear ends off trying to get that, get that, get all the, uh, hot spots and whatnot in the attic but yeah it's situational jeremy like i yeah yeah, I'm yeah, yeah hang i get out it. with the with the with the fire with the t- initial attack line uh with their those crews helping them with my, either with the tick or whatever i mean they all the engines have ticks also but or, or opening up or whatever unless there's a task that needed to be done you know as a captain or we only have you know four or five at, at a typical fire scene that we go to there might be two captains uh maybe three depending on which engines show up so one of us kind of takes, you know, once everything's under, under not, not under control in a sense, but once the main tasks are under control, one of us will be that inside operations person until the chief's ready to go. Got it. But most of our BCs show up in their uniform, their duty clothes, and start the fire, right? They, yep. they get things going. They're yep. worried about water supply. They're worried about where our hoses are going. worried about searches. And then once the division chief shows up, takes command. They'll head back to their buggy. Yeah, I got suit it. up, pack up. So there's yeah. a little delay. But. Sure. No, but I mean, but that's reality, right? I mean, this is just reality based. So I got two two things I wrote down um, for me. One, you you just breezed over it. I'm just curious where or if a thermal imaging camera comes into the cache of equipment, either carried by you or somebody in your team. Where does where does that piece of equipment lie? Yes. So we have. Recently, the department purchased the Flare K55. So all the officers responsible for carrying the, the K55. It's the Flare tick. It's our decision-making tick. Um, but my crew, several years back, we bought uh, Flare K2s, which are situational yes, um, right. situational awareness ticks. Very, very good, but they're not the K55. So each team on my 
crew on my rig now has a camera. One has the situational awareness camera. Myself has the, you know, the, the legit decision-making tick. So, um, Every engine company is getting their K55s installed. We're finally getting rid of, we had this ISG uh, 380s or X380s for a long, long time. And they're okay. just, they've just run their course, but there's plenty of ticks on the scene. The issue with the tick is understanding what we're looking at, you know, and that's something that I spend a lot of time talking to my crews, especially on, you know, don't just re look at the tick and tell me, oh, it says 81 degrees, we're good. You know what I mean? You have to understand what you see when you look through that. And, and I'm certainly not an expert, but it's something that I, 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 I pride myself on wanting to make sure that I'm always learning. And I have a lot of friends that are in that business that I just sit there with my mouth shut when they start talking, you know, to, to soak it all in. But there's plenty of ticks on the scene. I'm carrying one and at least at least my other team has that K2. Now that's not the same for all the trucks, but no, I get it. you have yeah. two cameras on it as well. Right, 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 right. So, totally get and it. We use them and, and we should use them because they're an important tool. And, and so, you know, for a guy with 25 years on the line, I mean, you came up through the fire service, going to a lot of fires without it. And now that you're a boss and it's becoming more prevalent in your day to day, I have to think the more you use it, the more you start to, to appreciate what it can do for you in common in connection or in relation to your old school experience and knowledge. Yes. Exactly. Like, and, yeah. We, we can't lose. It can become a crutch. Well, that's, sure. that's where I was going to go with that. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. We, it, you know, it can become a crutch where, well, I don't, I just get in and I, Oh, up, down, left, right. I scan all oh, this room's clear, but it's not going to show me the kid behind the mirror or the window over there or the kid bear, you know what I mean? Like, so you, you oh, know, 100%. Does not, absolutely does not replace good size up using your real senses. Now, right. Like hearing's pretty much the only sense we have left. We're inside a structure fire. I'll tell people all the time, like, Hey, hold your breath for a quick second and listen. Sure. What do you hear? Sure. You're crackling to your right. Well, guess what? That's chances are that's where the fire's at. Right. Yeah. No, nuts. I, I agree yeah. with you. And I think technology has its place, but I also believe that we have to teach the fundamentals and, and theory behind 100%. it so that we 100%. don't use it as a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, you know, these, these cameras, they're, pieces of equipment and they could fail just like anything else the you know i have a, a reserve right now because my my k55 broke and yeah we caught work yesterday and it's just an old camera the batteries lasted me about 10 minutes by the yeah. time i actually wanted to use it yeah it was done i came in i scanned quick i said to the engine hey the fire's over there to the right i can see it set the camera down and start doing my thing next time i picked it up for overhaul it was dead so yeah no i got it it's reality yeah reality based the other thing i've written down too and this is like i loved getting in your mindset earlier and and i was asking you to like walk us through the process but like once that water gets on the fire and you have a you have a second to take that you know breath like okay you know we're good primary's negative water on a fire and then you go into a more of a maybe supervisory role on the fire floor whatever right or you go meet up with your guys on the floor above how important though is it to have that face-to-face -face as the battalion either enters the building or on the front steps, you go down to take a blow for a second. And just, I, I find so much value in that, like after the initial, maybe after your first bottle and you come out to just have that brief conversation or face-to-face -face with either, you know, the operations boss or, or a battalion or the guy running your floor or division. Just talk to me about like the face-to-face -face for you. Is that important? Yeah, it should be mandatory, in yeah. my opinion, if you can. You know, our chiefs are out front, right? They're 
we don't do the car stuff and I'm not criticizing because I don't understand it, but our chiefs are standing on, you know, first person I see when I walk out of the door should be come out of the driveway is going to be one of the two chiefs. And it's, and it's just like, here's where it was. Here's where I think it went. Here's where it looks like it's going. And it's just so much easier to convey that information when I'm standing there two feet away from them. while, like you said, while I'm taking a sip of water or while I'm doing whatever versus trying to relay it over the radio. Yeah. And yeah, and for sure. And it's such, such a critical thing. Like the fire the other day I was talking about with the forge, I couldn't get through to the chief. So I walked my ass through the parking lot until I saw the chief coming and I got right in front of him. I said, chief, here's the situation. I had these guys shut these forges down, but obviously they're not going to cool fast enough. So we got to come up with a, you know, yes, we got to do something, but yep, we need to have a plan C here because yeah. what do you got a hot date me. by the way? Who, me? Yeah. Is that your alarm going off? Do you hear that? Oh, it's me. My phone alarm is going off. What the hell is that? Apology accepted. I I apologize. I have no idea why my phone (laughs) is uh is going off at me. I don't understand what's going on here. Anyway, I'm sorry. This this idiot took up enough of my time. No, no, yeah. (laughs) That's exactly. I'm like, yeah. I've had enough of Sean. The alarm's going off. All right, wrap this thing. I'll talk to him again in six months. That's fantastic. No, no, listen. uh, I'm sorry about that show. I was just like, it was driving me nuts. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's fine. The face to face is huge. Yeah, And, and again, it's you know. Not everything needs to go over the radio, in my opinion. And again, I'm not—I'm a believer in the radio. I think they're critical. I, I agree with when you. I got hired. You only had one, right? Yep. The driver had one, and the officer had one. But you know, sometimes the radio is a burden, right? Hey, truck seven, what's your status? Well, I'm four feet further than the last time you asked me. You know what I mean? And it's just like—and I know I've been that guy standing outside, you know, when I'm acting in the rig or whatever. I'm concerned about what's going on. Yes, you know, but. Uh, you know, to get ahead and say, chief, I'm coming to see you. I just, it's just easier to explain. Like yesterday, the chief's like, there's a lot of smoke coming out of this one, two corner here. And I go, I'll show you why I said, cause it's not a finished roof in there. So it was just running up and it's just literally the soffit. Yes. So any, right. any, it's not heat. It's not anything. It's just smoke. And yeah. when I explained it to him, he's like, Oh, I understand. Okay, cool. So we'll just wet it down. We'll soak it down. We'll be good to go. Yep. Exactly. Done. Right. So, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Important thing. So, all right, real quick. So that's really your first do truck assignments. Let's talk about second do real quick, because if both your teams are going inside, right? So you and your firefighter make an entry, doing search, looking for fire, looking for victims, and then whatever job needs to be done afterwards. Your other team then usually makes entry as well. They go to the floor above or the fire floor if you need them there, right? And so on. So I have to think your second do truck then assumes outside responsibilities. Yes. So our second do trucks, SOP is to assume vertical ventilation. Um, we don't always do it. Obviously, you know, first floor fire, we're not opening sure. the roof, but they don't make that call. You get, you know, you get off the rig. We, I like to use our ladder. So if we're coming in second due, we're, ta- we're taking our ladders from wherever we are. Is assuming I can see the house so I can do a good size up to make sure I have the right size ladders. Uh, and we're bringing them down and we're setting up. And by that point, you should have an idea, you know, from the cruising side, if we need the roof or not. Um, but our first priority is the roof. And if, and if we don't need the roof, then they just get redeployed. They may do outside ventilation stuff. They may end up going, uh, one of them may be assigned to do utilities or whatever tasks are left to do. Um, or sometimes they just say, ah, set, set yourself down guys. This isn't much of a fire. We're going to have this thing under control in a couple of minutes. Just, just relax. But they're, uh, their main function and initial function is uh, 
like setting up for the roof. We ventilate peak roofs. I know people don't, but again, it works for us. Every one of our houses is pretty much a peak roof. We do very little flat work, roof work. And I'm, listen, house. I'm right there with you, man. The, 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 our, the, listen, there's no need for that argument. It's either, you, you know, you're venting or you're not. And, and you know, regardless of departments and, and who, you know, who believes that you shouldn't vent peak roofs. Or, I mean, listen, it is what it is. It's not even worth addressing. So go ahead. Keep going. No. But yeah, so, so, you know, we do a little bit of flat roof work, but, you know, we just don't have a lot. And as a matter of fact, the fire last week at the old stamping plant, the, uh, the old American brass was a flat roof. And, you know, I talked to the guys. I'm like, this is why we don't do a lot of flat roof work because we're killing ourselves up there. Oh, you know, I bet, a, man. It's a ball buster. Yeah, it's it is. different. It's 100% different. Yeah. Whereas, you know, and I'm not even talking about the danger. I'm just talking about the work. You know, this was your typical trusses, your Q-decking, your insulation. and oh, just labor intensive. La- la- layers of, yeah, and, and plus it was asbestos under there, which meant obviously we had to, the guys had to be on air, which was causing your work to be that much more difficult. Right. You know, as you get winded, you're breathing faster, obviously all that stuff, but uh, we just don't do it a lot. And, it, and knock on wood, you know, I, I'm not rooting for them, but it, uh, companies that are doing flat roof work a lot, I have a lot of respect for. For sure. But that's also Plus why it's a multiple, company. it's usually a multiple company operation, yeah, right? So yeah, yeah, you look at departments yeah. that do flat roofs on a regular and they typically have two, three, four guys up there from three, four different companies working in that position, right? Because it is yeah. a daunting task for one or two guys. Yeah, it's impossible. We had we had two truck crews up there last week and uh, and we only had, you know, luckily we were able to cut it off and we only had, a, we probably opened a 20 foot long section of it. and. And uh, we were able to get it, knock the fire down with either water cans or, or uh, extinguishers that was because it was just rolling the roof line up there. Um, but man, like guys are shot. Yeah. And these are young, young in shape dudes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like these guys were like, man, this is, and, 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 and that's the beauty of having like the, the people talk about trench cuts and stuff, man. Like you need, you need 12 people to, yeah, you need 14 people to do that right. You, you know, need companies. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, so, so it, it's, um, that's generally the second dude trucks crew is out, uh, outside ventilation at first. Or that's their assignment is outside vent, and uh, they get redeployed as needed. Now, in a bad fire, um, you know where they know there's victims or they know there's whatever, they may. It's not uncommon for them to order them into search and then have an extra two and one to the scene that the extra truck becomes the fast truck and sure. the third truck goes in, sure. assumes their work. You know, it's it's fluid, obviously. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, I mean, sitting here and, and chatting about this, right? The variables come down to uh, your fireground duties versus the manpower that you staff with. And so, you know, for you to have a four-man company, it's uh, it makes the the responsibilities on the fireground a little more palatable versus, say, a two- or three-man company. And so, um, and rec- you know, and, and we recognize that. This conversation today was about how you guys operate a four-man truck and the, and the positions as such. But, you know, it goes to be said that, you know, even with a two-man truck or a three-man truck, the same jobs have to get done. So it's just the importance of prioritizing what needs to be done and the amount of time or manpower it takes to get that job done. Uh, is yes. is really incredible. It, it is, and and it's getting situational. You know, the conditions dictate our tactics. You know, you've heard that how many times? Sure. Of course, your career, right? And, you know, but it, it's really uh, it's grueling work that has to get done. And and if you come in, like you know, that's the crux of the whole 
presentation that I do a lot. It was, listen, man, if you roll up in a truck and it looks just like the engine companies in my city, but you got to do the truck work, you got to do it. And, you know, I, I don't throw ground ladders by myself very often, at least not extension ladders. Uh, we just don't have to, because I have the people. Yeah. I, I train on it and yes. I can do it, but I sh- almost should never have to. I'll throw the roof ladder all day long by myself, but you know, and to have these, listen to these guys and talk and, you know, in Columbus. So how do you, Oh, I'm throwing, we're throrowing 35s, you know, semi-regular bases or 28s. I and mean, those are 130, 140 pound ladders. And yeah. Plus all your gear. Those are some, some of them to throw, you know, but yeah, it's, it's legit. I mean, training. yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, listen, brother, I appreciate you taking some time out today talking about it. Um, you know, I, I, I always enjoy chatting with you and it's fun to, uh, you know, a lot of times with our podcast and what we do, we we capture the story of the individual and we don't often get to talk about like strategy, tactics, operations, things like that. So that's what I'm looking to get out of this. And I, I think the last uh, 50 minutes that we just went was uh, pretty powerful, man. There's a lot of good information in there. And I appreciate you sharing with uh, with me and our audience um, <clears throat> a little bit about what, uh, what you do and how you operate. And uh, I appreciate uh, you, man. I appreciate it. And I, I hope they got it out. I got something out of it. And that, that's my biggest struggle, Jerry, is that, you know, I always, we talk about all the time, like who wants to hear from me? You know, I, I care so much that I want to make sure that I'm not wasting people's time. You know what I mean? Like if my, my, my your mileage is going to vary from mine. I, and, but if you picked up one little thing and you, you know, it helps you be more effective out there in the fire ground and sweeps. I'm a, worth the hour. I'm a firm believer that, any positive conversation in regards to the job betters the job. So, you know, like I don't do this. I don't do this for uh, anything other than just trying to put a positive spin on, on the fire service. Cause I love it so much. And, you know, there's some selfishness in it for me because it gave me the ability to carve out an hour today to talk to you about strategy and tactics of how you operate in the city of Buffalo, New York. And, you know, like for me, I could I could talk strategy and tactics all day long because I absolutely love it. So, and I know others do too. So, if we're talking about the job, we're making the job better. And uh, you know, for you to take an hour of your day today on a day off from the firehouse and uh, just BSing with me, I appreciate it, brother. It means the world. I'm glad you had me. I was enjoying cool. it immensely. Well, listen, for everybody listening, Sean Egan, Captain, uh, Buffalo, New York. Sean, thanks again, man. And if uh, you're interested in more information from him, you could catch him in the uh, Truck Tactics column in Firehouse Magazine. He writes regularly for them. He's a speaker. He does have his own program as well. And then, Sean, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, you want to give an email address or uh, at social media, whatever you want to do, a little plug. Yeah, the, yeah, the easiest thing is uh, I, I, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I, I kind of keep the Facebook stuff down to people I, I know, but uh, it's just my name, Sean Egan. And Jeremy's going to do me a favor and make sure he spells it right. It's so E-A-G-E-N, not A-N. I learned right. that's a very valuable lesson right. that I learned uh, several times. I sent you uh, I sent you a shield spelled wrong. And then I think I sent you another one spelled wrong. I think the third one was right. So I'm um, listening. Yeah, the third one was right. The other two I use for target practice. That's so, good. You, and you absolutely we'll, should. We'll tell Taylor that they work very well. They hold up well to my <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't want to turn a conversation on to no that. i love that man but no uh yeah so instagram is uh and i am on facebook like i said but uh you know my email is just my name uh, sean egan bfd at uh, gmail.com uh, I love I, i'd love to hear from anybody and uh, you know like i said i just love what i do i'm blessed to be able to do it for a living and to be able to you know it's all i know i started this job when i was 23 years old i was a kid fresh out of college you know so yep well 
Well, listen, brother, I appreciate you as always. And uh, thanks for taking some time out of your day chatting with me today. Stay right where you are. I'm just going to close out. So, guys, thanks for tuning in. Another episode with Captain Sean Egan. Uh, thanks for tuning in. National Fire Radio. We're proud to put out content with solid dudes in this industry. And uh, just talking about the job because talking about the job makes it better. Anyway, we'll check you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.